0: We would like to advise that the following programme may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's Friday, this time from the Chatswood Concourse as part of the Sydney Comedy Festival with our panelists Wendy Harmer, Gene Kitson, Tommy Dean, music from Josh Pike, and most of all, our lovely audience. How wonderful to see you! We have missed you so much. We are so looking forward to tonight. Uh, in In a tick, Wendy and Jean and Tommy will be here. But as always, first up, here is the news from nowhere. Why don't we have prawns for lunch, I say to the gathered throng. We could buy an iceberg lettuce and some crunchy bread rolls, a scrape of butter on the rolls, and it would be perfect. I see my son glance towards his life partner. Her eyes twinkle. And they share a small, complicit smile. What? I say. What's so funny about prawns? Jacasta looks up from the book she's reading. Yes, she chimes in. What's so funny about prawns? Batboy, for it is he, <laughs> spreads his arms wide as if offering a benediction. It's just that prawns are dad's answer to everything. Batboy and his partner chortle merrily at this, delighted with the accuracy of the observation. It's at this point that I suddenly understand something about life. Your grown-up children talk about you. (laughs) They share observations about you with their partners, (laughs) listing your various eccentricities, your failures, and maybe your successes. The portrait they create may, alas, bear only passing resemblance to the one you might have drawn of yourself. (laughs) For instance, I'd never considered that one of my key characteristics was an excessive enthusiasm for prawns. Handsome, yes. A brilliant mind, of course. But prawns? I don't know why I'm surprised that Batboy and his partner have been discussing me. Jocasta and I spent years talking about our parents behind their backs. We would create pen portraits of their various traits, both positive and negative. I wish her father, now gone, could have heard the affection in his daughter's voice as she described his foibles, his monastic dietary choices, his devotion to his offspring. He never would have imagined what a giant figure he was and is in her life. Meanwhile, I would entertain our friends with what became a virtual stage show about my mother and her peculiar ways. Oh, how they'd laugh as I described her manufactured aristocratic past, her possibly unconsummated marriage to my father, her insanely large teddy bear collection, her monomania about germs. I'd have them doubled over with hilarity. Later, they'd proclaim a refreshed love for their own parents, who they'd describe in the wake of my story to be relatively normal. (laughs) Never, though, did I imagine my own children would have anything to say about me, at least not until my funeral, at which point both boys would deliver a joint eulogy along the lines of Pericles' funeral oration, enumerating my various fine qualities, while Jocasta, keening we'd throw herself atop the coffin. (laughs) But no, it's clear they've already been putting in the work. For instance, Batboy and his partner chattering about my love of prawns. And if that, what else? Do they regard me as a workaholic, an alcoholic, a cheeseaholic? There is evidence after all for all three. Do they chortle indulgently about my assertion that I am a good cook? Do they think my anecdotes are not as amusing as I believe them to be? a defamatory contention which, if printed in the nine newspapers then taken to a court of law, could lead to a spirited defence on the grounds of truth. <laughs> Here's the reality. None of us is safe, we parents, despite all we've done for our children. Jacasta, for example, has been the target of similar observations for years. One of our sons uttered some minor criticism of her driving years ago. She turned around in the car seat. Look, mate, she said, I taught you how to use a spoon. (laughs) This, I recall, rather reduced the amount of wind residing in the sails of that particular child. In this case, it's my love of prawns. But it never occurred to me that I had a prawn thing. Everyone loves prawns, don't they? Religious prohibitions and allergies aside... When Batboy said, Dad thinks prawns are the answer to everything, my first thought was, well, yes, of course, because they are. (laughs) All the same, if Batboy and his partner have discussed this, where does the ridicule start and where does the ridicule finish? Does my son hold sway at dinner parties, telling stories about me much as I told stories about my mother? Are his pals doubled over with mirth much like my pals were. Do they hold their sides and say to Batboy, no, you're making this up. No one has a father quite as weird as yours. <laughs> and is my mother, looking down on all of this, sitting in whatever heaven might exist, delight in her eye, saying, go for it, Batboy. <laughs> go get the bastard karma, she must be thinking, has rarely produced a result this sweet. I push aside these troubling thoughts since lunchtime beckons, and Batboy and I must fetch some supplies. We head to Colesworth, where I buy a kilo of prawns, <laughs> an iceberg lettuce, and some crunchy rolls. I insist on this option, convinced that only a prawn roll will return my troubled thoughts to a more even keel. They really are the answer to everything. (laughs) And that's the news from nowhere. (laughs) Please welcome our panel. It's Wendy Harmer. It's Jean Kitchen. It's Tommy Dean. Ain't it
1: nice so to, to be here? It, it is, is brilliant to so be Hello, Chatswood.
0: <laughs>
1: Represent. Lovely to be here. I can't
2: believe it, like, for the last, how many, like, a year, we, it's been too dangerous to be in a room with three other people <laughs> on your show. And then Richard goes, do you want to come to the theatre and be with 900 people or however many? It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's, a good. A, it's, it's good. It's great. It's a great bit. I'm feeling a bit scared. But I'm, I can see you're masked, I'm, so I feel better. I'm fine. <coughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm good.
1: Yeah, 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 thank you, thank you.
0: Wendy, not funny. All right. No. no. Let us check that you are up with this week's news. Who hated the company so much he bought
2: it? This is about Elon Musk, who hated the company Twitter so much that he has bought... He has, he has bought Twitter so he can cancel, cancel culture... And let everyone disagree with one another the way we do in real life, (laughs) which is fantastic. I think it's a great thing. He's got him $61 61 billion. billion. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's... That's a lot of money
0: to have an argument.
2: (laughs) He can just tweet it with himself. I (laughs) I think people on Twitter only tweet with themselves anyway. There are Sydney
0: pubs you can just turn up and have an
3: argument. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious. I don't understand economics at a grand level, but...
1: (laughs) You surprise me. I know. But...
3: I'm honest. I'm honest, if nothing else. It's, I don't. Uh, Twitter is free. Yeah. So where is this super businessman suddenly coming up with this idea that 61 billion... He could have just done it for free. Uh, yeah. This is for free. And I've read some of the reports of Twitter's business model. Their model is to lose somewhere between a billion and $700 million a year. Which, if they need help, I am available.
1: (laughs) I actually think, you know what, if I was Elon's, um, you know, advisor, I would say, if you want really to do the world some good, and if you really want to buy, you know, a vanity project, why don't you take over the company that makes musk sticks? (laughs) (laughs) Now... The interesting thing about this, because I've done a bit of work on this, unlike Tommy, um, I've done a bit of work, and um, Daryl Lee, who make Musk sticks, were sold off recently for 200 million. They sell, and Woolworth sell, more than 24 million Musk sticks a year. Uh, which means, like, like Elon could have bought Daryl Lee for 200 million in the money that he found in the glove box in the Tesla, couldn't he? <laughs> and take Musk sticks. To the world. Now, I can really see Elon making a mozza out of this, the world enjoying a new candy that tastes like Nana's floral bath (laughs) gives. Win-win situation. Win-win-win. Very good. Uh, Now,
0: next question. Uh, Who wants to address the universe by sending out our address?
3: Uh, As soon as this comes back to space again, we keep dealing in space. I don't know why the world won't look at the world, but we have a NASA scientist who has decided we need to rethink how we say hello to our potential neighbors in space. Mm -hmm. And so what he wants to send out is the coordinates of where we live. He wants to drop a pin (laughs) for the aliens, show us right where we are. (laughs) Then he wants to give them samples of our DNA so they can decode us. And then most offensively, in my opinion, he wants to send nude pictures of a man and a woman. Now, I don't know if you know about meeting new people, but you do not send a dick pic (laughs) to say hello. And even if somehow that works out, you don't want to point out our weaknesses. (laughs) So when they first show up, they're going to give us terrible diseases and or kick us in the nuts.
2: <laughs> we look so vulnerable, so vulnerable. We've no, we got no spines, no shell, no, no horn. There is a really
1: big fundamental problem here. And I think it's this. I think it's that aliens have known about us for thousands of years, but we're the kind of planet they would move galaxies to avoid. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you. Oh, I think that our, our, our ozone layer spells out has <laughs> And for aliens to come on holidays here, it's like taking a, you know, a, you're going for a picnic in Fukushima or going for a holiday in Chernobyl.
2: Why would you come here? The nude
0: pictures. They're clearly
3: easy. <laughs>
2: if the nude, if we're lying on a beach nude, maybe. If it's like a travel brochure. But I'm with Wendy. Why would intelligent aliens... <laughs> who have the ability and the capacity to travel gazillions of miles away, or kilometres, sorry, and billions of light years... No, no, I think you'll find the
3: universe is in... Miles, imperial, imperial.
2: imperial. Why would they bother with Earth when we're still moving around on wheels? We don't even have jetpacks or flying cars. They must think we're really backwards. And look,
1: there is also a case to say that we have deeply offended them. Because every time we we, we depict aliens, it's like they're in an amniotic sack and they've got googly eyes and they're like amoeba. Do you ever see an alien depicted in maybe a smart tartan? (laughs) Or a gingham or something like that? Mm. You know, really, I think we're underestimating them, quite frankly, so I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't want to drop in. Well, they don't want...
2: Yeah, they drive past too. I think flying saucers and rocket ships and all their alien things, they fly past all the time, but they never land and say, ''Take us to your leader.'' Because half the world's leaders are fighting like are maniacs fighting wars and the other half can't even tackle a simple but, virus. But, why would they yes. want to meet our leaders? And, and and if they really wanted
1: to be known, why do they only drop in on like couples towing caravans to
2: Perth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Last question from this week's news. What's inflating at the same time as it's getting smaller? Oh. What's it's inflating oh, yeah. at the same time as it's getting Well, smaller? Australia
2: has inflation because during COVID, someone in rubber gloves stuffed wads of money into everyone's letterboxes. And the government says that inflation is too much money chasing fewer goods. Now, when the government says you have too much money... Watch out. Even <laughs> There's an if answer they to that, right? gave us too much money, <laughs> even if they gave, yes, in the first place. And the stuff we want to buy, the stuff we want to buy has just disappeared as if the so called supply chain means everything is transported to the shops overland and by camel. Like, where, where's it gone? And this would be okay, except the manufacturers have made everything more expensive and also smaller. They made it smaller.
0: This is a shrink inflation, right? This is
2: shrinking inflation. Yeah, so a,
0: lot the, of, the a, a lot of stuff is the, shrunk. There's there's so much difficulty putting up the prices because people won't buy it. Yeah, so yeah, they just give you ten eggs instead I of twelve, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff is shrunk. A lot of stuff's gone missing. The red and green bits on barbecue shapes. What's happened
3: there? <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I'm shocked. They they took away one of the sides.
1: They, is no. there is there some? Is there some supply shortage of dried parsley and chili? Is That's there some super tanker stuck in the Suez Canal? No, it's a camel is stuck. Is there somewhere. a shortage of artisanal workers to stick the bits on the biscuit?
2: Mm. Exactly. Well. Where's it
1: gone? There's another example here of things shrinking and the price staying the same or inflating and that is the Saturday Sydney Morning Herald now, in the old days, there was enough paper in that to line every bird case from here to Guatemala. <laughs> or you could wrap every bit of crockery and glassware in David Jones if they were planning on moving. It was right, big Jane? paper, it was huge, huge. broad shit. And what is it now? It's a pamphlet. You know, it's not yeah, good exactly.
2: enough. Exactly. You couldn't wrap up your leftover chops in it. You'd be f- <laughs> flat, flat, <laughs> flat out. out.
1: Wrapping up leftover anything. <laughs> You'd be flat out wrapping a leftover chop in the, in the, Sydney, Morning in the Sydney Morning Herald. Flat out. So I hope there's a journalist here this tonight. I hope someone's going to be on Twitter and put that out
2: there. Because yeah. we reckon that's a thing. And, you know, the, the manufacturers making things smaller, they smarm on about this being for our own good. And I say bullshit to this. Because the people who make biscuits and candy bars smaller say this means we'll eat less chocolate. Bullshit. Sorry. (laughs) It means that we have to buy two Snickers for the price of three. Yep. Just to keep our sugar levels up. Yep. And it started with the iced vovo when we were kids, yes, yes. an ice fovo was the size of a rubber mattress. Yeah, it was. <laughs> a wagon wheel was the size of a wagon. Yeah, exactly. And now they're the size of a SIM card. Now, I have talked
0: to the manufacturer of wagon wheels about this issue and they say, no, no, it's a lie. They haven't changed the size. It's just that your memory of having one when you were five years old, your hand was smaller.
2: I don't believe them. <laughs> I do not believe. So it looks bigger. <laughs> <And
1: number. laughs> yeah, well, there's. Uh, I can tell you that about my teenage years during sex as well. But let's not go there. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday.
2: Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover.
0: Thank God it's Friday. Wendy Harmer, Gene Kitson and Tommy Dean. We have a big election coming up in a moment. We're going to get presentations from all three of them and see which of them... Because there's only one thing we care about in our leaders. We want them to be as normal and average and boring and Australian as possible, right? They're going to, their pitch is to prove that they are that. Mm. We'll see how they go. Just like bit, you. A little, yeah. a little bit later. Uh, But first, you know, the political parties are united, it seems to me, on on one thing. They all plan to have a minister for foreign affairs, a minister for education, a minister for defence, and so on. That's all very well, but it leaves out a lot of life's important things. Mm -hmm. What are the new ministries you would like to see,
3: and how would they make life better? Tommy Dean. The minister for fun. (laughs) Unfortunately, I just think we associate all governments with doing as much as they can to ruin our fun. And I think there should be one minister charged (laughs) with keeping a portfolio for fun.
1: Yay! Yay! Whenever the
3: government stands up against him, I want the shadow minister for fun. (laughs) So, you know, they'll like pillow fight. (laughs) Would that be fun? In a bouncy castle. A bouncy castle pillow fight over (laughs) policy. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yes. That'd that? be really good. I, I would watch like that. I, would, watch that. Yeah. I, I want... would
2: read about that in Hansard. It's so much yes, better. I, would.
3: I, don't know what, I don't know what Hansard is, but it sounds like a fun thing.
2: <laughs> it, it's not, but it should be.
3: I want to read. Can, can you get that in, like, an audio book? No. <laughs> well, you can. It's called Parliament. All right.
1: <laughs> you know what? What I'm always really um, disturbed by is that we've always got ministers for big stuff you know, like infrastructure and transport and coal mines and dams. But we don't have a minister for the small stuff, and I would like to be the minister for the small stuff, i.e. minister for dust, lint <laughs> and crumbs. <laughs> now, you might remember a few years ago, the pop psycho, psychotherapist Richard Carlson, do you remember he wrote those books, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff?, he sold 25 million books of that. And the idea being that we should step back from life, a trivial of life, and ask ourselves, will it matter a year from now? Well, what is very interesting about this is there was a few statistics that uh, were taken just recently in about, in about two, a study of 2,000 Australian households and women initiate divorce more than men do, and that day is New Year's Day.
3: <laughs>
1: and you know why? Because women says yes, it does still shit me a year from now.
0: <laughs> so I. <laughs> Wendy's found s- a new vocabulary since leaving Breakfast Radio, don't you feel? <laughs>
1: Bleep me all you want, buddy. But I would like to be, as I say, the minister for, like, and, and I would like to advise the complete nation that if you don't know where a, a broom or a duster or a dishcloth is, it will be out on the front lawn with the rest of your
3: stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that is what I would like to be the minister for very, very small stuff.
3: <laughs>
2: well uh, mine's a little bit similar in, yes. in, in We the minister I mean I love the minister for fun yes. because mm. they'd have to just cut up all the red tape and we can use it to skip with, yeah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> which should be good. Get rid of all the regulations. We yep. could just, and I love the idea of pillow fights, and I love the idea of the minister for stuff. And I would, I don't know why Australia hasn't got a minister for home affairs, a person who will come to your home personally, yes, and just sort out all those the loose socks. They'll <laughs> they'll fold up the fitted sheets. um, Find the right plastic lids to your plastic boxes. They could do something about the mould in your cupboards. Also, if I think my husband's actually having an affair, I will call the Minister for Home Affairs who will track down the couple to their Mm. seedy motel. (laughs) Where he will find
3: the Minister for Fun? (laughs) Ah! Who has set this up to begin...
2: The minister,
1: for very small things, with a
3: chucks.
2: (laughs) Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover.
0: Now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the serious point of this evening, uh, which is the election. Yes. Yeah. We have three candidates here. Uh, Now, it strikes me that everyone wants their candidates in an Australian election to be entirely normal. In fact, most of the candidates spend the whole campaign Wearing high vis vests. (laughs) (laughs) Just to show that they're regular people. Can our three candidates please tell us about their life so far Mm. in order to prove how normal and regular they are and how lacking in any troubling features? Jean Kitson, would you care to go first?
2: Okay. Please vote one for me. I am normal. I am excited. to represent the Aussie tradition of normal. Normal like about 99% of the population who aren't influencers or the 98% of the population who don't tweet. I'm as normal as 96% of the voters who only vote to put Clive Palmer last. (laughs) So I'm a good fit for any of the government jobs up for grabs after the election. Like treasurer Treasurer, for example, we normals are pissed off about the cost of living and also about experts who use the word supply chain as an excuse for lamb roast costing as much as a whole sheep used to cost. (laughs) Happily, I will also be Minister for Finance, so I promise a 100% across-the-board tax cut for everyone outside camera. <laughs> That's me as Minister for Finance. They ran up a trillion dollar debt when we normals scrambled to pay off Netflix and Uber Eats for two long years. Which normal ever heard of the word trillion anything, trillion anything before COVID? None of us. Like I tell the kids, one more Jimmy Brings bill and I'll cut up your visa card. (laughs) (laughs) I should be Minister for Energy because we normals are pissed off at our enormous power bills. I mean, we're standing on a country entirely made up of coal and uranium and natural gas and the other parties say we can't use any of them so we can set an example to China. Well, I'm a normal and not an expert, but it seems to me that China doesn't give a rat's ass. (laughs) And I'm as agitated as all the other normals about defense. So I bought a dog. <laughs> At the first hint of an enemy landing, our dog will go off like a sock full of frogs. Barking, barking. Our dogs will be our first line of defense, assuming the enemy isn't packing a pocket full of schmeckos.
3: <laughs>
2: For the arts, The normal party suggests we turn off Stan and get involved in community theatre. Here I am in a local production of Waiting for Godot. (laughs) Or possibly Cats. I can't remember. (laughs) Now, as you can see, the normal manifesto is a big one, and we can't get it all through Parliament by Friday if we have a whole lot of debating and arguing and shouting. So we're all going to need a dictatorship, which is me. With our democratic parliament, a dictatorship will be pretty much the same as after school care, only with more cattle prods and tasers. And like all our leaders, I will promise to rule for all Australians regardless of how they voted. And I will be lying. And the influencers can rack off and look after themselves. Thank you, vote one for me.
0: There'll be a chance to vote later, but uh, let's hear all the presentations. Here is the the next presentation. It is vote one
3: for Mr. Tommy Dean. Thank you. I am just like you. In fact, uh, I know that for a little while, and I know this goes against my campaign principles, but for too long you have associated me with the glamour and high lifestyle of stand-up comedy. But for the last six months, I have set that aside. And in my goal, to understand normalcy even more, gotten a real job. An actual nine-to-five, take-the-train-to-work job. And truthfully, today is one of my precious days off, and I'm a little annoyed that I'm here. <laughs> but I've learned a little bit about myself and how I pr- approach the normal in the normal world. I wake up in the morning just like you, ready to face a new day as soon as I hit the snooze button. (laughs) I'm also aware that Sydney trains aren't as reliable as they used to be, so I hit the snooze button one more time. (laughs) But then I know the moment has come, so I call in sick. which is a lot easier to do these days than it used to be. (laughs) One week I was sick, the next week my wife was sick, then my son was sick, then I knew a guy that knew a guy that was sick. (laughs) Pretty soon I am going to show up for day one. (laughs) But then because I had the day to myself, I do what all normal people do, produce the world's greatest sourdough bagel. (laughs) That's what you do, isn't it? You spent your COVID time learning sourdough? I mean, like you, I had my dreams as a young man. That's uh, young me in the background looking at future me. Uh, just uh, off script for a second so you know that is, of course, uh, my father in the middle. You often hear me speak of my crazy gun-toting father. That's him right there. You can't tell, but his pistol is in his back waist. And those are my three brothers. And you can tell, simply based on hairstyle, who the most disappointing to him is. (laughs) I, like you, I raise small children. And like all Australians, I adore sport. I trained my daughter in the Alpines' skills, also a good knowledge of just knowing that life generally is about going downhill. Uh, For those of you that followed along during my Letters from America episode last year, a couple years ago, uh, this is me with my son's oversized head, (laughs) celebrating Seniors Week as we celebrated his year in American basketball. I grew up for the last five, maybe seven years in Australia attending every Saturday netball. That's every Saturday netball Saturday ever (laughs) right there. I like a normal person. I have concerns. I have concerns about where our future is headed. I pricked this picture up to show you that I've been concerned for a long time. You look at that petrol price right there and you think, what a glorious time that must have been back in the past. <laughs> the reason I have this picture is to send to my wife saying, what the hell is happening to the price of petrol? It's gone through twenty. It can't possibly go higher. What naive times we lived in then. Uh, My neighborhood, like many neighborhoods, flooded. We flooded. We understand the power of climate change and what it has done. And that, uh, right there in the middle, uh, is the end of my Airbnb dream. (laughs) We We had a plan. We set up a caravan near our house, and we thought people would love to go to a caravan park that was just themselves, still in the city, near stuff. That was, that was our pitch. Uh, now, thanks to the flooding, the caravan is uh, where caravans belong. <laughs> Nobody wants to go. But I saw the writing on the wall. I knew the jobs were in the future, so I got myself involved. I knew that vaccines were important, so I, like you, got vaccinated. I got vaccinated not once, not twice, but three times. Due to my employment needs, I was also given three shots of hepatitis B, A course of hepatitis C, a tetanus shot for fun, a course of rabies medication, two flu shots, and then one needle. I don't even know what it was. I just said, sure. (laughs) Quit being a baby and get your shots. Spend some time in the aged care sector. That's me giving back. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to break through to solve COVID. I'm going to cure it. But just before I got to that vital step, there's like one step missing in my research. Uh, My problem is my brain isn't always focused because I'm a normal person. I was focused on a variety of things at different times. How do I raise my children? How do I solve these problems? what is the one thing I truly want to achieve in life? And that is perfect sourdough bread. (laughs) Look at the ear on that loaf. That's why I'm just like you. That's what I promise you. There was once a very famous American politician that promised a chicken every pot, but I promise you a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread every third or fourth day, because it takes a while to build up the starter. (laughs) You will learn patience. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, the last thing people ask if I were to be elected, and it's not that I want to be elected, what normal person wants to be elected, but if you choose me, I will, of course, do your bidding. But you will be concerned. Tommy, do you have contacts? Yes, that's my brother, and you might notice him standing with President Joe Biden. I am a direct phone call to the president of the free world. It doesn't really fit in the theme of any of this. I just wanted to show off. (laughs) And remind you, elect me, king of Australia. You love your monarchs. I will be your monarch. Me forever. Thank you very much.
0: Tommy Dean, there'll be a chance to vote for him later, but Wendy Hammer. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) and
1: Mr Speaker, (laughs) I come before you this evening, Mr Speaker. Look, it's not one of those who treads the usual road to Canberra. You know, we know what that road is these days. The private school, the university student activist, the elevator ride to work in Dag's big end-of-town company. From there, serving as a staffer in a minister's office until a safe seat can be found. That's the usual path, not for me. I come from humble beginnings and I have even a more humble lack of ability. <laughs> Mr Speaker. Warren Court Primary School, Western District. Yes, that's me in the front row with my hair and a ribbon, back in the days when every child was required by law, every girl child that is, was required by law to be named Barbara Maureen or Jennifer <laughs> and have exactly the same haircut. Weren't they great days? Weren't they tremendous? The photo is of the entire school at Warren Court. It's um, an Aboriginal name, meaning place of many bandicoots, (laughs) which is true. Although we didn't know that back then, not only because we didn't learn about Aboriginal people, but also because of land clearing, we never ever saw a bandicoot. (laughs) That's my father there, the headmaster a cigarette in hand, (laughs) ashtrays for all the teachers, and the kids in, you know, in uh, grade six. Weren't they great times? They certainly were. Here's a snap of me going off to school. Note the jumper. It was February. It was 35 degrees in the shade. (laughs) But we were resilient back then. Air conditioning. <laughs> now, I don't have any photographs of myself at high school. I went to Scrap Heap High. <laughs> we couldn't afford a school photographer. <laughs> so I left Scrapheap High at the age of 16 and travelled overseas. This is me, proud to be crowned Miss Tasmanian Native Forest Woodchip Queen... <laughs> 1969. A title that's still hotly contested even to this day. What a proud, proud tradition. (laughs) Then I went north. I joined the Queensland Police Force. And really, while I was with Queensland Police, Police, luckily most of our crimes were done by my colleagues or we would have been up to here with the paperwork. (laughs) Really, up to here. From there, your regular Aussie jobs. Played a bit of rugby league with Jenkins. (laughs) I worked as a builder's labourer with Marianne Fay. I also ran a few head of cattle in the channel country with Gina Reinhardt. Then... I thought, you know, I've had a go at a lot of jobs and um, that makes me a very, very ordinary Australia, perfect for high office and shows that, you you know, if you have a go, you get a go. Then I thought, what, you know, I, I decided to take, like all good Aussies, I decided to take off on a road trip around our great nation. And along the way, I met So many wonderful, ordinary Australians just like you. Not big noters, not names that you'd know, just ordinary salt of the earth Australians. I just want to show you a few snaps from my private album about the folk that I met up with on the way, just like you, making a bloody go of things. Jermaine Greer in (laughs) Kakadu. Just an ordinary, average Sheila. Oh, yes, of course, another person who I met a lot. I I did travel overseas. I mean, there was a bit of a sojourn where I travelled overseas as well. Um, There we go. Comedy people. There we go. Hannah Gadsby in the background there. Finally, here's me. At the end of all my travels, in my academic gown, where I've received my doctorate in the School of Hard Knocks, Apparently, I'm only able to call myself doctor when I'm on campus at Macquarie University. So I look forward to meeting you in the car park there at Macquarie Uni <laughs> with Dr Glover, where we can both write you a script for Valium or to <laughs> get you through the next few weeks. I think that you will all agree, and I think the task here this evening was to demonstrate how entirely unremarkable I've been, and I think I've done my best, and thank you and vote for me. (laughs) If you want someone so ordinary in uh, Parliament that it just makes you feel nostalgic for your own life, thank you, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Wendy Hammer. Okay, now we get to vote, ladies and gentlemen. Now we get to vote. (laughs) Election 2022. who was convinced that Gene Kitson was the most normal, boring person? Yeah. I'll put the question about Tommy differently. Who was convinced that Tommy's father would be the most disappointed father in the world? <laughs> Who is convinced that Wendy Harmer is the most boring, normal person? Yeah. Look, I can't pick between it. I'm going to put you on a ticket. The normal party. You'll see it oh, yeah. above Thank the you. line. Come.
3: Uh, <laughs> we can come all be election. our own three ministers we yeah, nominated we earlier.
1: Yeah, we can. We can. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we'll go in as our own ministry. <laughs> yeah, <we can. laughs> oh.
1: Staff minister for will yeah, be minister, minister for Minister for home affairs. Minister for dust settled. and crumbs and
0: lint. I am yeah. there. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. We need to finish with the, uh, the winners and losers of the week. Tommy Dean, who were the winners and losers?
3: Look, I think the winner is, of course, uh, Chatswood. Wow. Uh, Chatswood going. is the winner because there are clearly more people here than live in Chatswood. <laughs> so I think this influx of not from Chatswood people into Chatswood will fire the economy in a way that will allow them to build a series of more things for birds to land on and make noise. (laughs) Chatswood, you are the winner.
2: Go Chatswood.
3: Go Chatswood. Is is there a loser? Oh, there is a loser. Oh, there is. Clearly it is Linfield. (laughs) So close, and yet so far. (laughs) What a hopeless, godless place Linfield is. <laughs> Have you ever been to Linfield? Of course I've never been to Linfield.
2: <laughs> no, of course not.
3: Like what in Linfield says go there?
2: There's a good pastry shop. I'm
3: sure us. there no. is. There's always something good there's in a good. Uh, there's the only place you can buy a really good record player. Can you? Get well, you. that's good. There you go. But what I do, but my favorite part, because I take the train, I work on the, I work on the, the northern line. <laughs> but, I mean, I go up and down the north shore line all the time, but I don't go this far. Uh, but I just laugh, you know, like Linfield is like the end. Like, that's a train. You can take the Linfield, mm. and it goes chat with Linfield, and then it terminates at Linfield. Mm. Or uh, you can carry on, on another version, uh, to Gordon. <laughs> Via Linfield. <laughs> uh, which uh, then makes me think um, Linfield is better in some ways than Gordon. Because you can always get to Linfield, but you can only occasionally get to Gordon.
2: (laughs) There you go. So it's
3: hard to know. I'm just saying there's a lot of North Shore politics that I don't quite understand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Winners and losers of the week. We're in an election. Oh, losers of the week. Babies, little kids, just at school, just quietly going, trying to go about their business. You know, sticking things on bits of paper with clag. And then there's a whole entourage arrives and they end up in the paper. They're, did they're, did yeah.
0: you notice they withdrew the mask mandate in schools just before the start of the election yeah, yeah. so the politicians got to kiss the poor bastards?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, right.
0: It's a shocking thing.
1: Change. So they're the losers of the week. And I think the winners are the makers of core flutes. Really, you know. The oh, the poster. That you have thi- in okay, the yard, yeah. Because they're all getting stolen. And uh, Clive Palmer uh, had all his stolen, and he's now ordered an extra 14,000 um, of them, apparently. So the, um, the winners are uh, the Chinese company that makes uh, Clive Palmer's core flutes. I think they're the winners of the week.
0: Please thank, thank Wendy Harmer, Gene Kitson and Tommy Dean. Thanks for being part of. Thank God it's Friday. Check out our next live show at Parramatta Riverside on May 20. Meanwhile, we'll be back in the studio next week. Until then, I'm Richard Glover, and thank God it's Friday, live from the Sydney Comedy Festival! Thank
3: God it's. Thank God it's.